Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, we break down the first eight games of the season and give our thoughts on the Chiefs at the halfway point. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. What was your biggest takeaway from last Sunday's win versus the Panthers? This was sort of a, a reminder game, for me at least, that, that it reminded me that this team isn't perfect. And I'm hoping that it also reminded them that, hey, we're not perfect. Because the defense got diced up by a dynamic running back. That's just the reality of it. I mean, one of the best in the game in, in Christian McCaffrey. And, uh, I mean, he gave it his all so much so that even there towards the end of the game, he ended up injuring his shoulder. He's not going to play this week. But, I mean, he gave it his all, scored two touchdowns, was dynamic through the air, on the ground. And, and then, you know, you, you look at Harrison Butker. He's still struggling with the missed point after tries. On, on offense, yeah, they were great, and they helped close out that game. They They needed that offense in that game. But at least early on in the game, the offense wasn't in sync. So I I feel like this was a reminder game. And I feel like the reminder came at a really good time too, because this team has a lot of determination and willpower to kind of coach themselves up and, and to be the best. They want to be the best. So, I mean, winning by two points against a a Carolina Panthers team that yes, they're up and coming, but they're not by any means the best team in the NFL. So, so, so winning by those two points, I mean, I I think that's going to remind them. It's going to invigorate them. They're coming back after the bye week and they're facing the one team that has beat them this season. The one team they absolutely hate, the Oakland... God dang it. I I knew that that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. The Las Vegas Raiders. They're facing the Las Vegas Raiders. And I I think it's going to motivate them toward a big performance. And uh, it's going to be something that kind of drives this team and this coaching staff. Because it's an important game. If the Raiders happen to sweep the Chiefs... They'll close some ground on the AFC West division lead. They won't. They won't take it uh, with a win in in week eleven there. But they will close some ground and only really be a, a half game back, a, a game back on the the lead there. So um, it's important. The Chiefs can really. I mean, with a win, you end essentially the Raiders' hopes at winning the AFC West without some sort of uh, you know incredible collapse by Kansas City. So important game and, and, you know, having that, that win against the Panthers, it's a reminder that you're not, you're not infallible. You're not perfect. And it'll make them work that much more going into Las Vegas, knowing you're going into hostile territory against a team you don't like against the one team that beat you this season. Who is your MVP of the first half of the season? 
Patrick Mahomes. Unquestionably, it is Patrick Mahomes. And look, I get it. Russell Wilson has never even been voted. He never, never once has had a vote for an MVP award. But I mean, calling a player's career into an into account on a, an award that's based on a single season kind of defeats the purpose. And I mean, I'm even guilty of this too. I wrote an article this past week about uh, you know Mahomes kind of being a shoe in candidate for for the MVP and making a strong case for it. And uh, I, I was talking about, you know, two of his achievements from this season, becoming the quickest uh, to 10,000 career passing yards, the quickest to, to 100 career passing touchdowns. Those are career achievements. Yeah, I mean, they're cool. They're accolades. They're, they're things that hit that remind you, wow, this guy's really good. But that that shouldn't be something that's called into a an, into account with the MVP award. You should be looking solely at this season. And I'm a big Russell Wilson fan too. Like I've I've been quoted as saying that he's the only other quarterback in the National Football League that I'd want to start a franchise with besides Mahomes. The reality is Mahomes is your MVP right now. Okay? He's thrown 25 touchdown passes and a single interception through 9 games. That's something that has never been done before in the history of the National Football League. All right? Uh he's got I believe approaching 200 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the season. And look, I'm not pro football focus here. I don't care about pretend interceptions on risky throws or whatever they've been arguing about lately on, on Twitter. And I guarantee you that the AP MVP award voters won't care about that stuff either. Um, but they will care about the fact that Russ has thrown more interceptions in two games this season then Mahomes is thrown all season long. So um, there, there's a lot of things left in the season that can happen. A lot of season uh, left that could, could really change the shape and the course of things. But right now, Mahomes, he's the guy. Who benefits more during a bye week, players or coaching staff? I think the beat writers, bloggers, and podcasters benefit the most, right? <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm joking there. But I, I'm not really sure that either benefits more during a bye week. I think for players, it can really go either way. I, I think it's a given that they'll get their bodies rested up and they'll be feeling better. But I think the key is not to lose your focus and drive. And I don't think that's going to happen this season because guys have to stick around in Kansas City and they can't travel because of the COVID-19 screening. You know, guys have to get daily testing so they can't they can't go home or go on a vacation like some of them normally would during the bye week. Things that can per perhaps cause distractions. Uh, being at home and around, uh, potentially around the team in the building, working still I think that'll be important to keeping them like focused and on task. As for the coaching staff, I mean, we all know Andy Reid's record after the bye week is just great, just tremendous. And I think they'll be in the lab and get some fresh plays together and not just for this next week, but for the entire stretch run. Uh, and they also do like a really good job of kind of self-evaluating and adjusting and making the changes that they need to make as a staff 
to put the players in like best position to be able to kind of finish out the, the season strong. So I, I don't think any of that's going to change this season. I think that, that we're still going to see that. I think we're still going to see Andy Reid have a heck of a game plan put together for this next week. Um, and and I, I think that really both the players and the coaching staff will um, will benefit this time around for Kansas City. Do you expect any personnel changes during the bye week? Yes, actually, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a few changes. You've got quite a few players that are kind of set to return from injury. Um, most notably, they'll get a pair of offensive linemen back. Uh, Martinez Rankin set to, to get back. He was just activated off the PUP list. Then you have uh, standout rookie cornerback Legereus Sneed's going to be back. On the other offensive lineman I was thinking of, uh, Mitchell Schwartz. He should presumably be back to working after dealing with a back injury. Um they could even see Alex or Okafor uh, return from injured reserve too, which will be important with the injury to Taco Charlton. So um, for Rankin, I, I, let's talk about two guys first. Let's talk about Rankin. Let's talk about Legereus Sneed. For Rankin, I think there's a chance that they put him in as a starter right away. If you'll recall, he was the starting left guard for Kansas City for five games last season. He was actually really good in those five games. So if he's truly healthy in his return from a knee injury, he could potentially go back to that left guard spot. He can also play swing tackle too. So say Schwartz isn't ready to return and Remmers, he was a little banged up. He had a rib injury in the last game. Uh, he, he could potentially play swing tackle or backup tackle there. So that that's something to keep an eye on for, for him. And then, Legereus Sneed, obviously, just an incredible, incredible rookie player. I mean, he was leading the league in interceptions by week two of the NFL season. Injures himself in week three, ends up on injured reserve. The fact that that his practice window has opened is great. And, and we know that he'll likely be back this week. Uh, if not, he's probably going to have to stay on, on injured reserve because I think that uh, that third week there... Uh, is going to be the end of that 21-day window. So if he comes back this week, I think they're going to find a way to get him on the field with Bashad Breeland and Charvarius Ward because he's just too good of a talent to be sitting on the bench. So I don't know if that means moving Bashad Breeland to the slot or if if Snead is going to be able to play the slot. He's certainly fast enough to. I just don't know if he has enough experience there and work there to to be comfortable doing that. I know that Breland, he actually played in, uh, in, I want to say it was 2018 with the Green Bay Packers. He played the slot then. So he has some experience working there. That could be something that they explore. But I, I mean, they're, they're, they got to get these three guys on the field together because they're just, they're so talented. And, you know, they had some injuries this past game that kind of flew under the radar. Um, Antonio Hamilton has a hamstring issue, which he's had that's kind of plagued him all all season long. And then uh, Rashad Fenton uh, had an injury. I can't recall what the problem was, but he had an injury kind of late in the game there. Um, so Sneed should be able to see action pretty early on in that rotation. As for some like non-returning returning player changes. I think it's only a matter of time before one happens. And it's one that Chiefs fans really want to see. 
Willie Gay Jr., he needs to be on the field more often. I mean, we saw it just last week uh, in the win over the Panthers, really just that first series on defense. And he makes these plays, man, and he plays fast. And, and that's something that, I mean, I think they're really lacking at the linebacker position right now. They, they have a great leader in, in Anthony Hitchens, and he's playing the best football of his career right now. But they still could use someone opposite him, like Willie Gay Jr., uh, uh, on the field often. You know, when they're in those looks where they have two linebackers on the field, I think Willie Gay needs to be the guy. I think he needs to cut into some of Damian Wilson's snaps. That, or they need to find a way to get him some work in, in the dime package or, or some of the other sub packages instead of Ben Neiman. And, and it, there's really no excuse at this point because every time the guy is on the field, he's making plays. He had two plays that were wiped out um, by penalties just this last week. So... And they weren't penalties on him either. They were penalties from his other teammates. So um, he he's making plays. And when you have guys who are making plays, even in, in limited snaps there, you got to find a way to get them more snaps. So I think that, that the coaching staff, part of their, um, you know, bi-week evaluation is going to tell them that, hey, we, we need to get this guy on the field, figure out ways to get him on there more. And uh, I think they will. I think they will. I think it's only a matter of time before we see him moving from the, like, 15 snap range to the 30, 40, 50 snaps a game range. And as always, Charles, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Well, it's the bye week, so we've got kind of a different mix of content on the website this week uh, compared to a game week. We have a few items sort of reviewing the season up to this point or checking in on certain things uh, really uh, at this point of the season. There will be a lot of draft content coming uh, out really started on Wednesday, but but this upcoming Saturday, we'll have some more of that for you. On Wednesday, I, I published a story about how the Chiefs kind of stand to benefit from the NFL's new resolution on diversity hires. We also have a story uh, of the drama between Matt Castle and Todd Haley. I'm like chuckling here because it's kind of hilarious. But at the same time, it, it just gives you this this like glimpse into the dysfunction of the pre Andy Reid chiefs. And God, it makes you appreciate what we have now so much more. So that that is definitely worth your time. Check that out if you haven't seen it already. As always, we appreciate everyone tuning in and visiting the website. We couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much. And uh, even in the bye week, go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back. This is the Chiefs Wire Roundtable, and we are done with the first half of the, uh, of the regular season, technically. The first eight games for the Chiefs, uh, starting off seven and one. So because it's done, this is the end of the first half, we have to kind of give out our own sort of awards, you know, like first half awards here uh, during the bye week. So I have Mitch Cardi, of course, Talon Graf. We've been through this, this battle so far, halfway through. And uh, there's so much to talk about with this season already. And I do want to start off right away with, uh, with Talon coming to you. 
your your thoughts on the first eight games of the year. Do you feel like this team is exactly where they need to be in order to repeat for a Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, wholeheartedly believe that. I think they're primed and ready for this. They, they've been, um, you know, outside of that Raiders game where the defense just looked off. Outside of that, this team has been focused. They've been ready. They've come in prepared. And, and I've never, you know, felt in a game where they just looked – other than that Chargers first half, I, I, you know, that one was a little sketchy. Um, but other than that, they've they've really looked like just a championship team, and I think that's that's their mindset. We're we are champions. We plan to be champions for a while, and uh, and and they've shown us that they they are still and and they should be the the favorite for the Super Bowl. Yeah, couldn't agree more with what Talon just said. It looks like the Chiefs could actually be better than what they're playing right now. Like we're playing at a championship level, but like I could tell, like we're holding things back we're just not playing as good as what we should. So we can be better. We are one of the best teams in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting, you know, coming out, coming, going into the second half of the season, like how much we improve and, you know, and where we're at once the playoffs start, because we're looking really good. And, you know, I think we have potential to be even better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, outside of that Raiders game, the team has been, they played together, you know, it's, is what you want uh, that obviously the game against the Broncos, I feel like was the most complete game the team has ever played. And it was just uh, just a sign of hopefully things to come and just what this team is, is capable of in all facets of it. So it's, it's a good start. You, you know, you talk about seven to one, it's a good start for your first eight games coming off a Super Bowl victory. But uh, like I said, we are giving out early or should I say half season awards right now. And I'm going to start off with the, uh, the first award. I'm just going to put it out there, and I want you guys to choose a player who best fits this. So my first award is the uh, – hmm, how about this? Pretty, It should be a pretty unanimous answer on this. The half-year rookie or rookie of the year. Rookie of the half-year award. How about that? Okay? I'm giving that to Clyde Woods-Alaire. I think the guy has been – he's been great. You know, we, there was so much expectations put on him when we found out that he was going to be the starting running back, especially with the whole Damian Williams situation. Even with Le'Veon Bell coming in, the guy still kept his poise. We saw um, an amazing opening game against the Houston Texans where we had all the you – know, you always wonder how a guy responds coming out of college, having the entire world watching you, and he stepped up big time. So – I think he showed me that he is a guy that you can rely on for not just this season, but for years down the line. And that bringing in Le'Veon Bell isn't necessarily saying this is a guy that's not ready. We're just saying we're bringing you some extra help so you don't have to carry the load on your own. So I go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire as my half-season rookie of the year so far. I, I, I got to come up with better names so you guys can help me out with that. Uh, Mitch, who do you have? You kind of cut out there whenever you're explaining the award. Is this just on offense or is this both sides? This is both sides. Okay. So I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire kind of gets a fault. But if you just take the small sample size we got from uh, Willie Sneed, um, Legeria Sneed, excuse me, I think he would be our rookie of the year. I mean, the dude was dynamic before he got injured. I think he got a pick in almost every game he was playing in. He had that really big interception against the Chargers that, you know, kind of saved our buds to, you know, put us in a position to win that game. So I think we've got to give it to LeJarius Sneed. Like, I was so impressed with how he was playing, and it's just such a shame that he got hurt. 
But, um, you know, I think you got to give it to Clyde just because, you know, he's he's been healthy. He's been playing. He's been playing very well. Hasn't lost his starting spot to Le'Veon Bell. But from what we saw from the Jerry Sneed, it was super impressive, especially considering he was a late-round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, of course it's, it's CEH. But had he had Mike Michael Dana, and, yes, I agree about Sneed as well. I, I love Jerry Sneed. I hate that he got hurt. Um, but, but Michael Dana as well, had those two not gotten hurt, man, they, they'd be right there right there with CEH in terms of, you know, really good rookie years. But, yeah, so CEH definitely uh, with those two really big games, the one against the Bills and then week one against the Texans, he has stuff, man. He definitely has the right stuff to be good in this offense. He's just we, – we need to figure out how, we, how he can get better around the line of scrimmage because once he gets to the second level, man – you know, any time he gets there, it could be a home run. So we need to get him to the second level. We just need to figure out, you know, the goal line situation and figure out, you know, how he can get through that line of scrimmage a little bit more simply. I definitely agree. I mean, I, trust me, there's no, you know, Legereus Sneed, amazing stuff, especially the first two weeks of the season. But uh, I just felt like I, for my one, I had to go with Clyde Wurzelaire. Um, I thought Sneed has done great. But uh, I just had to go with him um, for my choice. But uh, like I said, I agree with everything you guys said with, with Clyde. I, I think the sky's the limit with what he can do. And there's plenty more to do in the second half of the season. He's going to be needed in this whole playoff run. And now, real, real quick, Ed, before yeah. I do, I do want to get – because Tommy Townsend probably deserves to be in this conversation. Yeah, that's true. Like, he's had – like, yeah, he's a punter. But, dude, that dude – <laughs> like he's a rookie and he is probably better than Dustin Colquitt's been the last five years. If we're being honest Ooh. with ourselves, like Tommy Townsend is a really good punter. And the fact that I love that he th- threw a, a pass last week. Um, I'm just waiting for that play where he, he throws a touchdown. It's going to happen. I don't know if it happens this season, but it's going to happen. And um, so yeah, hats off to Tommy T. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with his, with how he's been playing. Yeah. That touchdown pass uh, during week eight against the jets was uh it was impressive. It was definitely impressive. Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, Tommy Townsend, I think he, he had big shoes to, to kind of fill when you're talking about coming in for Colquitt. Um, the only reason why I didn't have him necessarily in there wasn't the bias against punters. Because I, I feel like everyone in the world has a bias against kickers and punters and, and their importance in regards to the entire football team. But, uh, I, you know, I feel like a part of his job is also the holding situation in terms of point afters and him and uh, – and him and Butker still haven't gotten that right. I don't think they are 100% yet. They have games that they were struggling. I believe it was five out of six uh, missed. So, yes, that's on Butker, but a part of that is the holder situation. I don't know if you agree with me with that, on, um, with that one, Talon. Sorry, I couldn't find my, my unmute button. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I do. I, that's a great point. That's a 100% solid point. Um, but it's kind of similar to saying, well, Edwards Hilaire has been really good on the ground, but he hadn't been as good in the passing game that we thought. So, mm. you know, neither one of them are perfect. You know, Tommy Townsend is really good at punting, but, you know, maybe he needs to work on the holding a little bit. Well, Edwards Hilaire has been a good runner, but he needs to work on the, you know, getting open in the receiving game or, or like I said, uh, being better at the goal line. So that, that's just kind of how I look at it. Either one of them perfect, of course not. But, you know, I think they're doing really good at what they're supposed to be doing. Well, yeah, I definitely agree. Um... It, like I said, everyone's playing well. The, it's hard to choose who the best is, but that's why it's fun to have these little discussions here and there, you know? Everyone has a great opinion on this. So this next one I think you guys will definitely have a great opinion on, and that is who has been the best coach on the staff so far this year. 
not named Andy Reid. So you can't pick Andy Reid, Andy Reid as your coach so far of the half year. You got to choose one of the coordinators, okay? And uh, my choice, just to kick things off, I'm going to go with Eric Bieniemy because we knew that he should have been a head coach this season for another team. Um, you have so many people watching you now, even more than usual, because your name came up as a guy that was snubbed for a head coaching job. And I feel like he's handled it so well. The offense is dynamic. And I, I think it's even more dynamic than it's been in the past. And that's kind of hard to really think about it just by the way you have your, your fourth or your fifth wide receiver stepping in without issues. And, and just the different play calls, the, the variety that you're seeing, especially now having Le'Veon Bell as another running back. I just think Eric Bieniemy continues to prove that he is a, a genius in, in a sense. He's worked on the Andy Reid for so long that I just think he's a guy that I, I'm going to put for the first half of the year. He's, he's been my coach of the year. Uh, Talon, who do you have? Dude, I got to go with my dog, uh, my boy, Andy Heck. Dude, the way the O-line has shifted players in and out, uh, you know, and, and with Mitchell Schwartz, the best lineman that the Chiefs have going out, they really haven't missed a step. If, if anything, they've gotten better. The interior of the offensive line with, with uh, Kilgore in there at center, I think is the glue to everything. Because then you know, Allegretti's been kind of struggling. You may need to do something there. But, man, the way the offensive line has played this year with, with the changes and the um, different personnel and the new guys coming in, uh, uh, like Rimmers and, and then Osimile is playing really good, then you have to replace him. Like, there, there's been a lot of adversity with that offensive line in 2020. So I'm really, really pleased with how Andy Heck has done things. And really, his whole body of work with the Chiefs is impressive. It, since he's the day, day one he's been with the Chiefs organization, the Chiefs have had a good offensive line. So hats off to him. And I think for me, uh, he's my coach of the year so far. I'm going to go with Spags. Um, I think he's – you know, coached a really good defense this year. Uh, they, I think they're top 10 right now. Um, you know, they, he had injuries in the secondary. He had Breland out for four weeks. Uh, you know, he's been coaching very, very well. You can see that, you know, they're still improving from last year. So I think with the way Spags has been coaching, I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a head coach in two or three years. I mean, I think the way he's just, you know, improved his defense by, by leaps and bounds from 2018. So I've been super impressed with him. Uh, this defense has played well all year besides the Oakland game where they gave up 40, but that was just a small hitch. I don't know what happened there. But it just seems like week in and week out we see, you know, good plays made by this defense, you know, and he's putting us in positions to win. You know, I like that. I, I, like I said, any choice right now in terms of that coaching staff can be commended. I mean, uh, I kind of want to give a uh, – you know, Dave Tobe, I want to give him a shout out. I think he's done a great job in trying to, the special teams unit, especially what they did with Denver and uh, against the Jets, they've been solid. They've been solid. They've been such a help in regards to the team. And, and they are often overlooked because of all the weapons on offense and in the emergence of the defense that you kind of want to give them a shout out in regards to what they've done so far. But, um, you know, like I said, we got to move right along. And how about we get into our most improved players so far? And there's always a variety of options here. These are, I want to kind of limit it to a player that has been on the Chiefs for a while. And, you know, you want to see he's finally kind of getting these opportunities to, to really stand out. So it's going to be hard because a lot of these players you see have been good. You know, you can't go with Tyreek Hill. You can't go with a guy that's been an all-pro. So uh, I know this one might be a little tougher, but uh, I'm interested to see your choices on this. 
and I want to get the ball rolling, and I'm going to go with Byron Pringle. I, I feel like the fact that he's able to step in and, and do what he did, obviously the, the, the huge kickoff return, put him on a map to everyone um, against the Broncos in uh, week seven was huge. And, and you even see them in a the passing game. They have him now. They, they have some plays run for him. And this a lot of this has to do with the injury to Sammy Watkins. And he stepped in. And the guy really looks like a, a player that is more than just a special teams player. And it's a credit to him for always being ready and, you know, not worrying about whether or not he's going to be active or inactive or the last guy in a depth chart. He just always stayed ready. And that's what you need. Um, you need a reserve guy that can come in there, play special teams, line up as a wide receiver. And uh, he's been great. He's been exceptional for that time. So uh, I got to go with Byron Pringle as my choice. Mitch, who do you have? Yeah, um, I don't know if you would consider him as, you know, a player who's improved a lot. Uh, you know, within the last couple of years, but I'm good with Daniel Sorensen. Um, I feel like he gets a lot of slack, but you know, these last two weeks he's played very, very well. He had the interception against the pick six against the Broncos, and then he also forced a fumble against the Jets. I just feel like this is a guy who's just improved steadily while un- being under Spags' defense, and he's just getting better, better, and better. Uh, very good special teams player. Um, so I like him. I feel like he's getting better, and then you know. I feel like he's really carving a role for himself in this defense. And I feel like if he just wasn't on this team, like if we just plucked him out, we would have a really big hole without him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tano Passano. Um, You know, here's a guy that we drafted back in 2017. So he's been around for a little bit. And and you've seen it on the field. You've seen the progression of this guy. And, go, and, and the way that he's handled himself and been able to, to transition from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 defense – um, that in and of itself is a little bit impressive uh, that was, that he kind of survived that transition. But, uh, you know, is he having a Pro Bowl type of year? Is he blowing anybody away with his stats? Of course not. But but the guy worked his way into a starting position. There's a new defensive coordinator in town. He sees the talent. He says, all right, this is this guy has worked his way into the rotation. Not only that, now he's a starter. Um, so I really like to see K-Pass on the field. I think he does good things. He's always assignment sound. Um, so for me, and I think he's just going to keep getting better and coming out of a program like Villanova, that's exactly what the chiefs organization thought they were getting when they drafted him. So that's what he's becoming now. He, and I think he's just going to get better and better and better. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can be in a, in a couple of years. So yeah, for me, the most improved so far has been K pass. Okay. Okay. K-Pass. You know, it's when I wasn't even thinking about K pass. So that's a, that's definitely a good one, man. I, I, I like that. You know, they don't give him enough love at all when you talk about uh, the different defensive players on the Chiefs. And, you know, Daniel Sorensen, uh, you know how I feel about Dirty Dan, man. But uh, I, I like Tano. I like that. That's a, that's a good choice. That's different. All right. So um, we got that. Now, since we'll stay on the defensive side, who has been the best defensive player on the Chiefs? All right. So this is uh, – this you can choose all the all pros you want, anybody, you know – there's so many names to go through with this one. And I'm going to go with Chris Jones. And I say Chris Jones just because he – the biggest story surrounding him for over a year, uh, you know, for everybody that's been obviously following the Chiefs Wire um, website, as you should be, has been his contract situation. The Chiefs got the deal done before the season started, and a lot of people were probably thinking, okay, will he be as productive, you know, now that he's gotten paid? Will he be as hungry? I think he's been hungrier, and he's now he's taking that, that next step 
to being a leader on that line along with Frank Clark. Um, we've really seen an evolution of him, but not just being a pass rusher, but being even good to stop the run a little bit more. And I feel like Chris Jones has been such a, a stable force is whenever he's effective, that defense is, is tough. He kind of sets the tone at that line, and uh, he's my pick. So, uh, Talon, who do you got? Man, I'm going to go with uh, linebacker Damian Wilson. I love Chris Jones um, and, of course, Tyron Matthew and all those big-name guys. But for me, Damian Wilson has been so much better than what I ever expected him to be in this defense. He is – you know, he's leading the team in tackles. Um, he's hovering around like eight, nine tackles a game. So he's, he's you know, in, in that chief system with those, you know, um, most of the time they got those two linebackers in there with that fifth defensive back – your guys have to be ranging. That's that's one thing I kind of have a, a fit about with Hitchens. Wilson's not that problem. He's rangy. He can he can tackle guys in space. He can tackle guys in uh, at the line of scrimmage. Um, and you know he may not be the best cover guy in the world, but dude, you know he's he's decent. He's above average at it. Um, so for me, I think without Damian Wilson, that defense does not look the way it looks. And I, I really like Damian Wilson. I hope we I hope he sticks around for a while. I want to go with Tyron Matthew. Um, I feel like this is an easy pick. Uh, he's just the general of our defense. You know, he's, you know, he leads this defense. He's, you know, probably our best player on defense. I think even over Chris Jones, Frank Clark, the rest of them, he's just so smart. I feel like if we take him out, our defense, you know, definitely falls down a couple of pegs, especially in the secondary. I like Juan Thornhill, but he's just not at the level that Tyron Matthew is. Tyron Matthews, a top safety in the league. So I feel like you got to go with him. He may not get all the stats, but he's putting everybody in the right positions back there. He's super smart. And this always seems like to be in on almost all the plays. Can never go wrong with Tyron Matthew. Um, Wilson's also a very good choice. And, you know, the defense still has some, some you know, some ways to go. Uh, obviously, Steve Spagnuolo's done such a great job. But you're getting more star players now being developed in that system, and, and that's just a credit to it. I, like I said, this is growth, and first half of the year, it's, it's, it's important. The, the one bad game is the one game they lost, and that was against the Raiders. So that just lets you know how important the defensive side of the ball is. But you got to go now to the offensive side of the ball where the Chiefs have lived on for the last uh, three or four years now. Who has been the uh, offensive player of the year and for me, it was a very easy choice. I know that the, the, the sexy pick is take Patrick Mahomes. You know, everyone in the world will say take Patrick Mahomes. But I feel like a guy that's just as valuable as Mahomes, especially at his position, is Travis Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey has been consistent every single week. There has yet to been – I have yet to see, as long as I've been watching Chiefs games, a defense that, that can stop Kelsey. He always finds a way to get open – he finds a way to the end zone. He's been the perfect, you know, uh, safety valve for, um, for, for Mahomes. Whenever he's in trouble, he always finds a way to get open. And, you know, he just became um, second all-time in 100-yard games for the franchise. Uh, the guy is – I'm sorry, now that, you know, you talk about the Kittle injury, he is the best tight end in football, hands down. So I got to go with Travis Kelsey. He's having an unbelievable first half of the season. Mitch, who you got? I'd like to pick somebody different, but if I chose anybody else, I'd be lying. I wouldn't actually feel that way. Travis Kelsey is the best player on this offense besides Patrick Mahomes. He's been so good. Um, you can make an argument for Tyree Kill, uh, but week in and week out, Travis Kelsey's been the guy. Um, he hasn't had a bad game yet this season. He looks like he's 
got even better after this contract extension. So I don't know when this guy is going to actually, you know, fall down the cliff because of, because of age, but it doesn't look like it's anytime soon because it looks like he's this guy even better. Um, he's clearly the best tight end in the NFL and probably the best player on this offense, not best player on this offense, not named Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, man, my vote makes three. I mean, yeah, it's Travis Kelsey. Um, I agree with everything you all said, but I will take the the obvious pick. I'll go ahead and say Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, the dude's playing MVP caliber football. Um, yes, he's had a couple down games, but it's not like he's he's screwing up. It's just it's not the offense's job to to put a ton of points up right now. So they've just I think Patrick Mahomes, you know, he has one interception, twenty one touchdowns. It's not like he's going out there having bad games. Um, it's just, you know, we talked about it before. When he's not at this elite magician level people worry and I don't I don't I guess I just don't understand that um at the end of the day all that all that matters is that the Chiefs are in the win column so Patrick Mahomes obviously without him everything falls apart so um 100% agree with what all you said about Travis Kelsey um but yeah I'll go with Patrick Mahomes yeah like I said it's uh it's hard to to go against it. I like how Talon just said, you know what, because you guys took Travis Kelsey, I'm just going to go with the obvious pick of Patrick Mahomes. I like that. You know, you just want to switch it up a little bit. But uh, it's, you know, so many weapons on offense. Uh, Tyreek Hill just, you can't even ignore the fact that he's a guy that just continues to find the end zone no matter what. And uh, it's, this, this offense has just been so dynamic and it's, uh, it's been great. So we've been talking about all the positive sides of awards, but now we got to get to this one big negative award. And I, I just feel like, yeah, you got to have one. You can't just have it all be positive, all right? Who's been the most disappointing player so far this half season? And I, I had to really, you know, break it down and just and just see, like, what little things we should be, like, picking at and, and really criticizing. And the top player has been Traverius Ward in regards to most disappointing. I came into the season, you know, hearing all the things, and I just remember Sam Madison talking about how Traverius Ward is going to take another step. He's going to prove that he is a, a, a top flight, you know, corner, that he can go against any of the top wide receivers in the league. And the guy's been burned by rookie wide receivers. And, and it's, it's been an uh, issue that he's even acknowledged after the uh, win against the Jets in Week 8. So uh, Traverius Ward is a guy that I'm really disappointed in. I thought we'd see bigger things from him. And especially when um, Breland was out for the first four games, and you know the pressure was only going to be him. We saw Jarius Sneed step up, and you know I, I just wanted more from Javarius Ward. Obviously, it's a whole second half to go, but in terms of my most disappointment, he gets the honor. Talon, who you got? Man, I'm going to go with Darwin Thompson. <laughs> since we, you know, since the Chiefs drafted him, I mean, I've been kind of, I feel like I've been pounding the table for this guy to to really succeed. Um, I thought he'd be more of a contributor in in the return game. You know, he I, you know he's he's been he's on the special teams unit, but I figured he'd be like a kicker turner. But he really had hasn't um, been impactful there at all. Um, and he's with uh, Damian Williams opting out this season. You got a rookie starter who we knew was going to be good, but he still you know it was going to be a by committee thing. Daryl Williams is is a good running back. Um, but he, you know, he he can't do everything as well as as the Chiefs would like. So I felt like Darwin Thompson had a golden opportunity to really step up this season. Um, his second year with the team, second year in the league, uh, and I really thought we we would we would have seen more from him by now. Um, 
you know, he, he was given opportunities and as we, you know, pun intended, he fumbled them away quite literally. And uh, he just wasn't able to, to use those opportunities to excel. So, uh, you know, it looks like he does get, you know, a little bit of a second chance to keep around with, especially shipping off uh, DeAndre Washington. So hopefully there's still a little bit of hope, but yeah, so far for me, Darwin has not, you know, he's, he's, he's been disappointed. I'm going to go with McCall Hardman. He hasn't necessarily played bad. He just hasn't played great. He hasn't played my expectations. Um, going into the season, I thought he was going to kind of, you know, take over Sammy Watkins' role and be our number two receiver. He just hasn't taken that step. It looks like the Chiefs trust Demarcus Robinson more at some points. Uh, and, you know, this going into his second year, I thought he would have a bigger impact. It looks like that most of his touches are on design plays by Andy Reid. He's not really getting open by himself. Um, not very often, at least. I know he just he did have a big game last week against the Jets or two weeks ago against the Jets. But, um, you know, I just feel like a lot of these plays are designed for him, uh, and he's just not really doing things on his own. Um, I do think there's still time for him to kind of develop and be our number two receiver, but I've just kind of been disappointed so far that he hasn't done more and hasn't been kind of taking that next step to be our number two receiver. Yeah, I could. I definitely agree with you on that one. And and we were, you know, it's funny because you guys mentioned guys that I was big on as well, and I was just contemplating. So we we kind of had the same three players in mind. And uh, Darwin Thompson, man, you know, Tal, we've talked about it all the time. He's he's hurt me two years in a row in fantasy. I've drafted him in late rounds, thinking that this could be the year. You know, so it's uh, it's it's been tough, man. It's been tough. So. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, we shall see. We shall see second half of the season. There's going to be opportunities, and maybe he could take advantage of them. It could be in the special teams, maybe in the backfield. We don't know what's going to – people have to stay healthy in regards to Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It will be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out with him. But uh, my last category, and I think this will be a fun one, favorite moments of the first half of the season. What is your favorite moment, okay? I don't want to go first this time, all right? And I want one of you guys, I'll put y'all on the spot. Mitch, what is your favorite moment so far from the first half of the year? I'm going to go with the entire Broncos game. That game was just a lot of fun. Uh, I know that's kind of a, an easy out answer, but that was like the first game I remember in a while where it was just a, such an easy win for the Chiefs. The defense just took over. There was a ton of turnovers. The Chiefs offense was doing some good things, and so that was just such a fun game to watch for me. I just felt like it's been a while since we've had a game like that, so I enjoyed it. That was probably my favorite part of the whole season, just that whole game as a whole, just being able to enjoy it, just watching it blow out, especially against one of my least favorite teams in the Broncos. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. when you said that answer. I, I audibly laughed. I thought that was funny. Um, but no, I think I'm going to go with the Eric Fisher touchdown catch. Uh, you know, it's always great to see the big men get in the end zone. Uh, you know, it was reminiscent of when Don Terry Poe threw the touchdown pass, the little jump pass. It was. It reminded me of that. And it's just you know the to get the guys in there that work for the team, you know, day in and day out, and they really you know make this team go as far as they can. Uh, speaking of the offensive line. It's awesome to see them get a little love uh, every now and then. And it was a great play call, great design, great execution. Yeah, I remember we talked about it after it happened on the show. But, um, yeah, for me, that was, a, that was just very, very enjoyable. It just You could just tell they were having fun out there. 
Okay, for me, I got to go with uh, game two, the uh, comeback victory against the Chargers and having it all culminate in a game-winning field goal from Harrison Butker. I mean, this was this was uh, over 50 yards, and it was his second field goal for, from over that from that distance. And uh, it, it was a blessing and a curse because the blessing was it had everyone say, you know, he could possibly be the best kicker in football. That was that. That's why I say it was both because right after that game, he started missing extra points, and uh, it, it kind of threw him off a bit. But uh, for that moment, and just seeing him being carried off the field like it was, uh, he won the championship game. It, it was a it was a great moment, and it, it was cool, especially for an early season game against a division rival in overtime. So, I got to go with Harrison Butker's uh, game winning field goal. I can't argue with that. That's that's yeah. That was a pretty good moment as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, it was a fun, it was a fun, feel good moment, and it made me feel it made me feel even better because somehow I predicted it by accident uh, on one of the shows earlier in the year. So if you guys ever want to check that out, you know, I have uh, some type of skills at predicting the future. I just just doesn't work ninety percent of the time. That's all. Um, <laughs> but it was a uh, it was definitely a cool moment, and uh, the first half has been great. Uh, guys, final thoughts. Oh, how about how, how about what are your expectations now for the second half, Mitch? What is your expectation for the uh, second half with the Chiefs? Super Bowl. There's no other words for it. I mean, this is a Super Bowl robust team, so that's what I'm expecting. We're good enough. Uh, as long as we come out and play, I think we can beat any team. So, Super Bowl robust. Yeah, depending on. I mean, you know, we got to get the Raiders back. Uh, and, and then you get the the Buccaneers in late November. But after that, man, I really don't see why this team can't win out. And I don't see why they can't win out, you know, now. Uh, so <clears throat> this is a really dangerous team. And depending on how the season goes for the Steelers, are we, are the Chiefs resting starters at the end of the year? Or are they, they still battling out with Pittsburgh uh, for that number one seed? So we'll see, man. A lot, lot to learn. But I, I – this is a one or a two seed, and I don't – I – it's every single game is winnable. They could they could be one loss team at the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. I think I agree with you, with all you guys. Um, I'm gonna go with Super Bowl as well. This is it. You gotta win it all. That's the only thing that that'll make this a success. The bars is so high right now for this team. The expectations are so high. Uh, everyone's saying that's probably gonna be Pittsburgh and Kansas City in the uh, AFC title game. That should be a fun matchup considering how good that Pittsburgh defense is. So these are the things I'm looking forward to. I hope we do get that matchup. I want to see how that defense really matches up against this Chiefs team. And, you know, it's, it's, it should be a, a, a fun clash right there. But uh, all we could do is uh, watch and see what happens. So uh, for Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, Ahmed Easton Jr., guys, thank you for tuning in. And let's enjoy a great second half of the Chiefs season. Now it's time for a look back at some of the sound from the press conferences this past week. Travis, I'm wondering, because you watch routes and film with Tyreek, what's it like in the middle of the play when you know the ball isn't going to you? But do you get a sense that you know the ball is going to Tyreek? Um, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, I think I do a little bit too much of that is um, trying kind of a – I know, see the coverage, see what they're in. And sometimes I kind of read the, the, the route for Pat back there. 
um, not necessarily for him, but I'm, I'm, I'm reading it with him. And I think I know where the ball is going to go. And um, sometimes I do a little bit too much of that. And I, uh, and I hurt us in terms of uh, when Pat really wants to get, get me the ball. Um, but uh, in other, other times, I mean, I, I know certain routes that, uh, that when 10 gets over the top, or if I grab a defender, uh, it's, it's toast for the defense. So it's just, um, it's playing around with that, but knowing exactly, uh, exactly what the play caller and what Pat want to do with the ball. Let's go next to Aaron Ladd. Go ahead, Aaron. Travis, I tweeted this a while back, but I want to get your thoughts on this, man. It seems like every week you have this move where you plant hard outside or plant hard inside and go the other way. I'm curious what the origins of that move are and why you think it works so well every week. Um, I think, uh, I think the, the, the biggest thing in terms of route running for me is, is knowing what defense, what the defense is in. So knowing the coverage and once you know the coverage, now you can start manipulating the defense. You can start to kind of, uh, trick them and where you're going to go and where, uh, where you want to get open and, um, just, uh, putting my foot in the ground and being able to, you know, get a big body to change direction. I think that's huge. I don't think a lot of tight ends, um, incorporate that enough. Uh, I also think that I, uh, I got a lot of that from, uh, from playing hockey when I was younger, being able to play on the inside and outside of, a, of, of skates, um, as well as, you know, just, uh, just on the basketball court, being able to put my foot in the ground and cross over. Um, handles weren't too good. They were a little suspect on the court, which is why I'm hoping, which is why I'm playing football now, but, uh, just being able to incorporate uh, other sports into my game, um, has definitely helped me out. So all the young guys out there that, uh, that, that are hesitant to play another sport, make sure you get out there and, and, and you learn everything. Let's go next to Steve Walls. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, Travis. Uh, you talked about your younger self, uh, which is crazy because I was going to ask you about your younger self. Nicole um, last week uh, wore your Cincinnati game jersey. This week, Tyreek Hill changed his profile picture to your high school rivals photo. Uh, talk about the fact that your teammates are praying tribute to you, to the young Travis, and what does that mean? Uh, as Does that show respect to you? It's, we have so much fun in this offense, man, and this team, in this building. Uh, we just have a lot of great character guys that, that enjoy what they do. So coming in the building every single day, you know you're good for a few laughs. And uh, But at the same time, you know that um, a lot of guys, this matters to a lot of people. So football is always first. So we're making sure we're taking care of business, but uh, but we're having fun with it. And um, shout out to me, Cole, man. I don't think he knew he was he was uh, helping recruiting when he did that, man. A whole bunch of Georgia wide receivers are going to think Cincinnati is big time now, which I love, man. Uh, Cincinnati's six in the six in the country. Shout out to the Bearcats. Um, and then Tyreek, he's he's too funny, man. I, I think it might have backfired on him because I found some I found some good pictures on him as well. So uh, it's just having fun, man. Tyreek is, uh, you know, I, I I really feel that my game went to a whole nother level when Tyreek got here, and then you put you add a speed demon like me, Cole, um, like Demarcus Robinson, guys that can, that can just flat out play the game. And I'm sure we'll get Sammy Watkins back here soon. Um, we all help each other out, and that's the that's the best part about it is that uh, we communicate. On the field, off the field, and uh, and 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 just enjoy this experience together. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Travis. So uh, you just said a minute ago that uh, you feel like your game went to another level when Tyreek showed up. Can you elaborate on that? Why you feel that way? Um, he's the deadliest threat in the National Football League. I mean, you can hand the ball off to him in the backfield. I think we. Uh, his first couple of years, we really had him in the backfield, like handing the ball off uh, as a running back. And then it kind of just turned into getting him uh, in in uh, in the jet sweeps and, and kind of the um, the gadget plays that they call. But I mean, the, the plays that are that he can absolutely kill you with. 
just to get him out wide and get him on a one-on-one situation. But um, where he's taken his his game to a whole other level is the route running. I mean, you can't put a cap on his speed. It's just it's it's. <laughs> it's uh, you can't do it. And when we see it week in, week out, um, he got open again today uh, deep and it was just, you know, a lot of wind. So, so him and Pat didn't, didn't connect on it, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's every single week. It's not necessarily uh how do you, how do you stop Tyreek Hill? It's, it's how do you contain him? And you can't contain the cheetah, man. He just keeps taking his game to another level. Um, the biggest uh, big play threat in the game, man. And then that, that's where it, it makes my, my job a whole lot easier. Um, because he he just draws so much attention being him. Thanks to Matt McMullen. Good, man. Hey, Travis. So uh, coming into the season, being the reigning champs, I mean, you're going to take everybody's best shot. You got that today, but the Panthers are really going for it, trying to win today. You're 8-1 and one now going into the bye, halfway through uh, the run it back tour here. What does it say about this team? How proud are you of this team that you're taking everyone's best shot and you're still getting victories out of this? Um, I think uh, I think we just take it week, week by week, day by day. Um, nobody's really thinking about, you know, uh, we were, we're the defending champs. We're this, we're that we know who we are and we're confident that we can win every football game that we, that we go into because of the coaches, the schemes, the players that we have in this building. And, um, you know, it's uh, hats off to the Panthers today for coming in and fighting. I mean, they gave us a, a great fight. They almost came out with the win. Um, and we just have to, you know, watch the film, clean it up and, and, and move on to the next game. And, and we knew coming into it that we were going to have to rebuild this team. It's not like, I know we got a lot of the same players and, and a lot of the same coaches, but um, the NFL is, it changes every single week, you know? So we gotta, we gotta make sure that we, or every single year. So we just got to make sure that, um, that we're building a championship caliber team uh, through the, through the regular season and into the playoffs. Give us a chance to, to try and run it back. Got time for a couple more. We'll go Pete and then Sam. Go ahead, Pete. Congrats on the win. Patrick today became the fastest quarterback to 100 touchdowns, and you've been here. Got another all. record. <laughs> uh, right. Put it on he, the shelf. I remember dating back to when the Chiefs made the switch. You were actually one of the only people who was a little bit apprehensive. What do you make of going from like that feeling to now getting to be a part of a lot of those touchdowns and just watching it from a uh, really side by side? I mean, at that that point in my career, I was just. I wanted to get Alex a Super Bowl. So that was the only thing I loved Alex and I still love Alex for for everything that he did when he was here and how much how much professionalism he showed me and he uh, he how accountable he was to everybody here. Um, but I mean, once Pat got here, even when Alex was in his last year, it's been nothing but fun, man. That guy just comes in. He, he balls. He has he has fun uh, throughout the day doing it. Um, and and it, he's, he's the best quarterback that I've ever played with. And it's, uh, you know, what? just uh, looking forward to a lot, lot more good memories, man. We'll go last to Sam. More records to be broken. Uh, let's go to Sam. That was your last. Sam? Hey, Travis, uh, another Patrick question for you. Um, a lot of guys, including Andy, have been pretty consistent saying he's playing better than he ever has, um, which is something considering he was the MVP, right, um, his first year. But what does that look like from, from your point of view? Is, is it is it merely – and I'm not trying to dis- discount this, but is it merely fewer interceptions or are there plays that he's making that he wasn't capable of in, in the past? It's just awareness. It's awareness. He's, so, he's just he's, – he's such a smarter player in terms of what the defenses are doing. The guy watches – an unbelievable amount of film. I mean, you really, the, the amount of film that he watches, you have to love this game for, <laughs> you have to love it because it's just, it's, it's a ridiculous amount of film from years and years of, uh, of, of just taking a uh, defensive coordinators and seeing what they've been doing uh, in the past. Um, and it's just, uh, 
it's remarkable how much information he can throw up there in his head and be able to make an instinctual decision. Uh, but seeing the defense, recognizing what the defense is in, and then just making the right throws and being accurate. I mean, I think he's, I think I can definitely uh, second or third that, however many people have been saying that he's definitely playing his best ball right now, man. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.